0: Issue
1: for all women. Hello and welcome to the Standard Issue Podzine. I'm Mickey Noonan and I hope you'll all join me in a stirring rendition of Return of the Mick. No?
2: Alright. Oh, <laughs> 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 I'm Hannah Dunleavy and I'm reading Invisible Women by Caroline Criada Perez and I suggest you do too. It is very, very
3: good. I'm excited to read that. And uh on a sort of return of the Mick ting, if you will. I'm Jen Offord and I'm glad Mickey's back.
2: Thanks, Jen. I've got a question. How do we know it's real Mick? It could be fake Mick.
3: She has got more freckles Hashtag, than the hashtag old fake Mick.
2: It. I know, I, mean, I need two photos next to each other. I need to assess the shape of the chin. <laughs> I
1: can't believe you've seen through my cunning plan already. <laughs> oh, no. Wow, this.
2: Later on, we talked to psychotherapist Jane Watson about measles, Michael Jackson and the epidemic
3: of denial. I speak to the legend that is Jessica Hines about her new film The Fight and I'm talking about those very excellent lionesses, among other things, in Jenny Off the Blocks. And I do Disney's Hercules.
2: It's over! It's fucking over! Thank God it's over! That, my friends,
1: is the sound of a woman having a well-deserved lie down. <laughs> but first, marching shoes, lunatic lawsuits and elusive bumholes. It's time for the Bush Telegraph. Q Sting.
2: Telegraph. Welcome to the Bush Telegraph. Fetch me my screaming pillow. <laughs> Indeed. As we
1: record, there are just 18 days to Brexit and the maddest countdown in the world just keeps on losing the plot. <laughs> like there was ever a plot. Tuesday, which is tomorrow from where I'm sitting right now, sees MPs voting on Theresa May's deal, with chances of Parliament approving tea bags. I mean, I'm going to use the word plan? Looking as scarce as post-Brexit insulin. Thankfully, David Davis was available to go on The Andrew Marr Show to explain how to deliver Brexit, despite having spectacularly failed to deliver Brexit when that was his actual job. His explanation involved the removal of the backstop. That'll be the backstop he put into place when <laughs> delivering Brexit was his actual job. I mean, credit to him. The man's got more front than Blackpool. Oh dear.
3: Village idiot Jeremy, literally nothing behind my eyes, Hunt, also did his bit to secure some votes for teabag in Tuesday's all-important meaningful vote. Which might be being downgraded to a provisional vote. Um, yeah, who knows? I mean, meaningful lost all meaning, <laughs> okay. didn't it, to be fair. Also speaking on The Andrew Marr Show, the Foreign Secretary said his party was in very perilous waters as they faced the possibility of failing to deliver Brexit and the devastating consequences for the Conservative Party in such an eventuality. Now, I want you all to think long and hard about perilous waters and reflect on the fact that because of all of this, Jeremy Hunt is our Foreign Secretary. Just think about that.
2: Time to get your marching shoes on, people. As March the 29th approaches, both sides in the Brexit uh, debate are planning to start pounding the streets. Firstly, in the interest of fairness, and absolutely not so I can (laughs) rip the bits out of it, comes the rather pessimistically titled Brexit Betrayal March, which will be led by the willy of the people himself, (laughs) Nigel Farage, presumably until they open the first bottle of red. The Carnival of Gammon's (laughs) slow plod towards the nation's capital starts in Sunderland on March the 16th and is expected to arrive outside Parliament on March the 29th. Like the Jarrow March, except that was about trying to create work rather than actively pushing major employers away from the UK. Meanwhile, the other side, Team Remain, what shall I call them, the good guys, they're planning another People's Vote March in London on March the 23rd. 700,000 people turned up the last time. And for it to have any kind of impact, at least the same number of people are going to have to turn up again. Now, I won't lie to you, you're going to be on a busy train. You're going to have to hold on to a wee for an obscene amount of time. You may even have to go over a spiky fence (laughs) bum first when you forgot to put a belt on. Don't know where I dragged that from, eh? It was my favourite bit of the last (laughs) (laughs) lunch. But if you don't want to spend the rest of your life staring at corned beef hash, and that's not code for the Brexit Betrayal <laughs> March, by the way, then maybe it's
3: a price worth paying. I'll be there. Me too. Hot on the heels of funny Tingegate, Home Secretary Amber Rudd found herself in hot water last week after comments made in an interview on The Jeremy Vine Show about, ironically, abuse faced by women in the public eye. Talking about whether or not women had a harder time of it than men, Rudd said... It definitely is worse if you're a woman and it's worst of all if you're a coloured woman. Before going on to speak about Labour MP Diane Abbott and the particularly bad abuse faced by black women online. So,
1: sorry Amber Rudd. Amber Rudd of the Windrush scandal. I don't believe you.
3: <laughs> Uh, As a whole host of white men stepped forward to give their thoughts on whether or not women of colour had the right to be offended by this, Rudd took to Twitter to apologise for her clumsy language, of which she said she was mortified. Meanwhile, the 1950s called and said it wants its racist language back, please.
1: Over in the US, 21-year-old Ryan Majors is suing a clinic in Madison County where his then-girlfriend ended her pregnancy. He's suing because she didn't have his consent for an abortion. And it's very hard to put into words, the look on my face, so I'll just let the facts speak for themselves. Major's then-girlfriend was 16 and six weeks pregnant when she got an abortion over Major's objections, two years ago. Now, there are loads of reasons why this young woman might not have wanted to have a baby, and none of them are anyone's fucking business. This is all happening in Alabama, a state which already has a law on the books that gives fetuses and embryos the full spectrum of rights as people unless you're a woman wanting a say over her own body, and then the embryo has more rights. And indeed, in a frankly batshit twist to the already handmaid's tale level of insanity, Majors has brought this into play, petitioning to represent the estate of, quote, Baby Roe, the six-week-old embryo, a request which probate judge Frank Barber has granted. Let that settle. A non-existent embryo is suing an abortion clinic. Makes sense. Even over here, The reporting of the Majors case is using very dangerous language. Unborn child, baby, mother. None of these words have any relation to the case in question. This isn't, as Majors claims, about a sad would-be dad, quote, giving a voice to men who want a say in their partner's reproductive choices. This is about men and government controlling women. The ramifications are terrifying under his eye. As ever, a shout out to our own government to grant bodily autonomy to the women of Northern Ireland and also to the great work done by the Abortion Support Network, which is always appreciative of a bit of coin thrown its way.
2: So, you may have seen when we were on Bush Telegraph hiatus that Sally Challen, jailed for life in 2011 for the murder of her husband Richard, has had her murder conviction quashed and a retrial ordered. A landmark decision that all the national media sought to convey the complexity of by calling her a hammer killer. Now now her sons, David and James, have launched an appeal for their mother's murder charge to be downgraded while accusing the CPS of discrimination against women, citing cases where men have been given more lenient sentences. Sally's case revolved around years of abuse she told the court she suffered during her marriage. Back in 2011, coercive control was not a crime in England, but it has since been recognised as one. But not, however, in Northern Ireland. Man, it's sad the regularity with which I have to say that on this podcast. Oh, Jesus. Chal and Sons are also calling for a change in the law in Northern Ireland. I've got no joke here, obviously. Just best wishes and admiration.
3: From me too. In Birmingham, hundreds of pupils were withdrawn from Parkfield Community School by parents who were unhappy with a programme teaching their children about homosexuality, presumably fearing sexuality by osmosis because, let's face it, it's happened to the best of us. Parents of pupils at the school have been protesting on a weekly basis about the programme aimed at challenging homophobia. About a week and a half ago, around 600 Muslim children were withdrawn from the school by adults who accused the programme of exploiting innocence and promoting LGBT lifestyles. And lifestyles is in uh, inverted commas there. After appealing to the parents to end what the school called upsetting and disruptive protests, it was decided a full consultation with parents would take place with regards to the programme going forwards in the future. One of the parents protesting against the programme denied the group were homophobic rather that the adult and complex themes were confusing for children. So I would like to petition for the removal of long division from the curriculum because it's very complex and considerably less useful in adult life than, I don't know, tolerance or compassion.
1: Agreed. Anyone want some good news? Yes, please. A scientist has discovered a creature with a transient anus. (laughs) The bumhole of the water comb jelly, or sea walnut, which looks a lot like a jellyfish but isn't a jellyfish, appears only when needed, then vanishes again. Dr Sydney Tam of the Marine Biological Laboratory was thrilled to make the discovery, exclaiming, It's a really spectacular discovery. There is no documentation of a transient anus in any other animals that I know of the transient anus may serve as evidence that these ancient creatures are a kind of missing link between animals that evolved proper anuses, like humans, and those that did not, like jellyfish and Nigel Farage, who clearly uses his mouth to spew shit. And the good news there is I got to say transient anus four times and it has genuinely delighted me.
2: It's like Batman. Batman anus. It only turns up when it's needed and then it just fogs off. Just like a light in the sky. Yeah. Bring me my anus. More news next week.
1: Well, you have equal pay, but, you know, they're not equal, are they? Sexism of the week. It's that time of the week where we allow ourselves a small cheer for the good news that a video game called Rape Day has been pulled by online gaming store Steam, itself owned by a company called Valve. And after letting off the one sad party popper, we question why the fuck it was allowed to go on sale in the first place and how Valve's pulling of it has all the backbone of a particularly yellow-bellied slug. So yeah, Rape Day, from the developer Desplant, billed as a visual novel, allows players to control the choices of a menacing serial killer rapist in a zombie apocalypse. Alongside sexually explicit images, its description warns of, quote, violence, sexual assault, non-consensual sex, obscene language, necrophilia and incest. Sounds charming, right? (laughs) Cue a major outcry and a petition signed by 3,000-plus people demanding the game be banned. But hey... Come on now, calm down. Seriously, just take a chill pill, Shrill Jill. It's not like anyone's physically raping anyone. I say anyone. It may or may not surprise you that the serial killer rapist in Rape Date is a bloke and his victims are mostly women, but still, it's just a game, people. No one's getting actually raped. It's simply making raping fun. Where is the harm in that? <laughs> Why am I still wanging on when it's no longer going to be on sale with Valve? Well, one, Valve's statement, which spoke of Rape Day's, quote, unknown costs and risks to the company rather than condemning the game. And two, it may have been pulled, but it has not been banned. Creator Deathplant is pledging to find new ways of distributing the game and more. first step is setting up sale for the game somewhere else, the developer wrote on its website, The next step is reaching out to other quality developers whose games were banned, which include pornographic content and nothing illegal to organise a niche site where you can purchase porn games that are too morally reprehensible for Steam. So that's something to look forward to.
2: I think that's a prime example of one of my bête noirs when it comes to grammar. The word quality by itself doesn't mean anything. It needs a qualifier. And I think in this sentence... Reaching out to other quality developers. That is really a sentence in need of a qualifier. What qualifier would you use, Hannah? Um, shit. Shit. No, maybe there's more intelligent word
3: to use there. Cunty. Hey there, people of London and the surrounding areas. Anyone who's been paying attention will know that we've moved to a new London venue, King's Place, and a super venue it is too. We'll be back there on April the 18th with Helen Lederer and again on May the 19th when we'll be chatting to she of Best Newcomer nomination at last year's Edinburgh Fringe, Cindy V, and the legendary Catherine Tate. Am I bothered though? Actually, yes. Yes, I am. For info on this and all our shows, keep your beady eyes on our rather charming new website, www.standardissuepodcast.com.
2: Hello. We are joined in the studio today by Jane Watson, a psychotherapist. Hello. Hello. And when I say way, there is also Mickey. Oi. And Jen. Hello. We would like to talk to you about, well, about denial, I suppose, in relation to the news. So I thought I'd start off by asking some questions just so people know where we are.
4: I never agreed to this.
2: (laughs) Do we believe that climate change is real? Yes. 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 Do we believe that it's good to vaccinate your children against measles? Yes. 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 Do we believe that Michael Jackson abused children? Yes,
4: I yes. do. I, based on what I've seen, I would say strongly there
2: is a strong chance for sure. Do we believe that hard Brexit would cause problems in this country? Yes. Yes. I just want my country back. Do we yes. believe that Donald Trump is terrible for America? Yes. yes. And further, yes. Everyone. Okay. So, those questions will Mm. get you a lot of no if you ask lots of people. When people are presented with actual evidence that suggests that all of those things that you said yes to are true, and people don't believe them, that's denial, isn't it, that we're dealing with?
4: Yeah, yeah, it is. So,
2: how does denial work? There's so
4: many different ways we could go with this, but... I would say there's a degree of, do you know what cognitive dissonance is? Yes. Sort of. Yes. Sort yeah, but sort of. could you explain yeah. it for listeners? So it's when you have two opposing thoughts or beliefs. So let's say, sorry, Hannah, <laughs> Jen, uh, I smoke, but I also know it's bad for me. But that, that can cause quite a lot of emotional and physical, that with, with dissonance, physical discomfort as well. So we have to do one of several things. We can deny, kind of go, oh, it's a load of rubbish, don't believe the experts. Or we can go, OK, it is bad for me, I better stop. So you do a behaviour, you stop. Or um, even further, some people go like, oh no i don 't really smoke that 's right. then you meant that was the next one well done yes. <laughs> yes. you you minimize you kind of minimize the issue oh, it doesn 't matter you know we 're all going to die something, right exactly exactly so that 's how it works because it is it 's actually physically and emotionally too uncomfortable to sit with two opposing thoughts now. On on a lot of this, like you said, it's pure denial, which is a strategy to to, to keep that feeling at bay and and keep their thoughts and feelings okay in that belief. But there are are other things at at play too, like um, their own prejudices, their own uh, investment in the topic, let's say. Sometimes people are so invested in something that it becomes a part of their sense of self. So the problem you'll have when you're argu- arguing people with people who are quite dogmatic in what they're thinking is that you're not just arguing the issue, you're actually arguing with their sense of self. And that can happen when some people don't feel like they've got a strong sense of self, let's say, and that can, I won't go into it, but can be from sort of formative inter- interactions with family members and caregivers. Most people sort of integrate the good and bad in in people and see more than the black and white, but some people kind of split off, and and that's all they can see. And when people don't feel like they've got a strong sense in themselves, they often project their wants and needs onto other things and people. And if one of those things or persons is one of the things you're criticising, then it feels like a personal attack. It feels like a bit of an, an an attempt at annihilation, which is why you often see people kind of guns blazing back at you, you know, because it feels like such a personal attack that they have to fight it back because they feel that they, they might like lose themselves in it.
3: So they feel like they're fighting fire with fire, basically.
4: Yes, yeah. Yeah. And they're fighting for themselves. That's the problem, I think, with some of these people is they feel personally attacked, even though the issue isn't necessarily directly about them.
1: And it's a lot of work to rethink something that you have as a basic tenet
4: in your life. Yeah. I, to have that challenge. Absolutely. Imagine, say, you were a fan of someone. It was your formative years. And let's put into the mix you didn't have a great star and didn't have great caregivers, that you sort of invested yourself really heavily in into that, that star. That Then you're asked to change your mind about how wonderful they are when you've put so much into it. And that's really hard for people to do. God, I hope yeah. Dan Reed doesn't make a documentary about Fozzie Bear. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: Devastated. In many ways, what mm-hmm. you're talking about in the sense of investment in it, yeah, it reminds me sort of religion, the way that people yeah. feel about religion. So we are less religious as a yeah. whole, generally. Are things like anti-vaxxing and MAGA and, you know, leave me sleep... Are they essentially new gods? Do we all need something to believe in? Well, it's a good question. It's interesting. If you look at existentialism,
4: the big issues people have is not knowing. A lot of problems people have are surrounded by the uncertainty of life and the world around us and not knowing. And we as humans naturally want to get to a point of peace where we can tolerate that uncertainty and actually you know for a very long time and still ongoing but like you said in 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 the western world maybe less that religion played that role you know that there was there was a sense of community and harmony and there were absolute answers to unknowns so i think because we don't have that as much and i i think the internet has a lot to play in how we communicate that that also sort of see, seems to feed into having more strong ideas about people and things but i think people like the certainty in those those issues that you've raised or those people that you've raised with trump maybe they identify with him they identify with his politics the way he communicates the prejudices that that are discussed can I just
1: ask and with someone like Trump as well do you think they look at his success and go well he succeeded so mm. therefore he must be right
4: mm. yes I I've heard that as well they say oh he he made money right he made lots of money and he's a successful businessman but um if you do a bit more research You'll also see that if he'd have just put the money he got from his dad in a bank, he'd be richer now than he is now. (laughs) But so people discriminate. They agree with the things that suit the narrative that they want to follow. And then we dismiss the ones we don't, just so we don't have to change our mind.
2: Conspiracy theories have always existed. Yeah, They have a longer lifespan than, than the internet. People thought men didn't walk on the moon since 1969 but is the internet and particularly social media exacerbating this?
4: I think so I think the thing is that everyone's communicating more and that's good and bad right and 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 the thing is let's talk about fandom for an example so a fandom was a very sort of insular group of people who loved a certain personal thing but now people like us who aren't fans of that personal thing can can get involved so what tends to happen in that circumstance is th- that that group can feel more attacked in a way when challenged because pre-internet <coughs> let's say you weren't you weren't subject to such scrutiny and you could live in your little bubble of what you all shared and liked conspiracy theorists yes I think it, it's, it spreads far and wide and I think Going back to what I said about wanting to know certainty and wanting to feel secure in oneself, it, it's part of a group, isn't it? There's, there's something about a conspiracy that, that can make you feel quite special, can make you feel like you're beholden to some unbelievable truth. And to us, maybe, it sounds incredibly contrived and complicated, but to them it make, makes you think, well, I know so much more about this, this is why... Think about what makes a person feel special in the world, like a job, friendships, social life, family. Now think about people that don't necessarily have that. But what they do have is a computer and maybe a bit more time on their hands. And And I think that maybe more vulnerable people have probably more propensity to kind of go down that rabbit hole. If Does that make yes. sense? Yes. So because there's nothing else, maybe, in some people's lives, then that's all they've got. So we go back to maybe the original argument is, then you, then you sort of double down on it, don't you? That becomes
2: part of who you are. That's interesting with from the Michael Jackson point mm. of view, because mm. that's something that's blown up because of this documentary. But that's not new, so if you are still supporting Michael Jackson at this mm. stage you've already committed you've committed beyond the the other accusations that happened you've committed beyond uh, i mean personally it's mm. if you look at that Martin Bashir documentary in which he claimed he'd only ever had one piece of plastic surgery. I mean, to then believe anything that that man would say would be really difficult for me, but some people have already committed to that, haven't they? I
4: agree, but, you know, then I have seen people go, well, he did admit to one nose job, and then you're like, well, okay, but maybe he's had more. But, you know, there's always a reason that they can... someone who wants to be fixed in their belief to counter the argument, Yeah. you know? So he might have admitted to one thing when maybe we can see or, or assume that more has happened but they will stick to their fixed point okay these people exist how mm. do you get through to someone who is
1: in a state of denial
4: I think it's really hard right I, and I think the problem is you can get really riled by people who are quite fixed and then in, in our minds maybe not quite correct in what they're thinking so, like I said in, you know, a bit earlier on, if you go on, on just giving facts, people will just get angry and double down. They won't listen. So that's the problem you've got. I was reading the other day, uh, I can't remember his name, a, pro- a professor said that you should give them a truth sandwich, which is sort of give them a truth about the issue. Also mention the truth that they hold and then add the truth add another truth about the issue yes trump is really successful but he's also a cunt almost there maybe we could do a bit more training
2: on that (laughs) (laughs) my mother yes didn't vaccinate me for whooping cough yeah because there was a drama at the time about whooping cough she thought she was making the right decision i can understand why you think you're making the right decision but the net outcome was i only now have 60 percent hearing because of it
4: Congratulations! Is that truth sandwich? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not sure. It's it's a bit of both, and that's what he argued. But I think the other thing to say is that if they, if a person doesn't want to move on, you know, it's a fifty-fifty. Really, you cannot cajole someone if they don't want to be cajoled. They really don't want to listen to an alternative argument. And when you're talking about flat-eyed denial, that is exactly what you're going to get, is a bit of a wall. So unless they are willing and have some capacity or want to engage, you know, with the subject beyond their beliefs, then it's difficult. And I was reading that, you know, when, when people are in cults or groups like that... The best way to help them remove themselves from situation is to give them some sort of sense of community out of that. Mm-hmm. But if that is their community and you're asking them to remove themselves with nothing there... And we live in an age where, you know, truth isn't that important anymore. You Not know? currently, so no, like I mean, post... fingers crossed it's going to make a comeback. And but... also, no. oh, Imagine if facts made a comeback. <laughs> that would be amazing. But there, there is something about being in a post-truth environment and, you know, and fake news. Research has been proved that if you show someone an article enough times, they'll start to gauge it as more true the more they say it. Even though it's not true, now we've got got some people that go, we don't. Well, and we've got politicians backing them up, by the way, saying mm. we don't trust experts, don't listen to the
3: experts, you know. And yeah. we've got all sorts of people willfully misrepresenting the truth for their mm. own gain, be that political or otherwise. Absolutely. It's like we've talked about this, and obviously mentioning no names, like certain journalists who are just mm. completely happy to tell a non-truth the problem is once it's out there you can't you can't you can't take it back and most of the people that see it aren't going to take the time to educate themselves on whether or not that was a real thing yeah Yeah. it's
4: forever in the ether then isn't it the other thing about communicating digitally is it's a little bit like driving a car badly and getting irate with one another you know because we're not face to face we can be a lot more obnoxious Mm -hmm. and hurtful so things spiral into sort of black and white, right and wrong and good and bad, to the point where we're completely polarised. You know, and you kind of think, if we were all in a room together, would we be sort of screaming at each other? Hopefully not. Probably not, hopefully not. Maybe with some people possibly certainly not yeah. as fast I don't know did, did
2: she the just end point, end point at me when she, she did, said yeah. with <laughs> some people <laughs> I was thinking about who you just coughed about <laughs> can I
1: just take it to a personal level and I don't mean about anyone in the room <laughs> but the anti-vax brigade mm. this could affect people I mean it's it's dangerous Yeah, like yeah. kids can die Yeah. what if you are a family member like a very close family member and the parents are firm anti vaccines or even within the parents you've got the mum and the dad one is like strictly this is gonna you know increase chances of autism and the other is no it's that's been debunked Mm. we need
4: to get them vaccinated how do you talk to someone then well well I think it's like we were talking about if people are so sort of polarized and fixed
2: in their views, then it's, I'm not going to lie, it's really hard. So they need to come and see you in a professional capacity, Jane. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not touting. <laughs> um, but, I mean, is that how entrenched it is? Are you literally talking about it's something that needs to be dealt on a sort of a, a psychological level? Some people,
4: for sure, you know, and that's when maybe moments of movement and change happen is when people are going, like, maybe I'm struggling here because things aren't going right and I can't really... See another person's point of view, yeah, quite possibly, but I suppose what you really ideally would like is, um, I mean, what's sort of absent in a lot of what we've discussed is the ability to critically think, mm. and that's I, I really think it should be higher up on the agenda for schools and you know all sorts of education sort of s- systems that that this ability to think for oneself. And evaluate. It's got to be sort of taught, and yeah, it's got to be. No, but that's the perfect time, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's got to be offered. You know, you just don't take this as fact. You need to sort of see what else is out there. You need to stand away from it without your feeling interfering with it, and try and see in the cold light of day what what really is the truth. The more you know, and the the more able you are to change your mind. I mean. We've all changed our mind about something we didn't want to change our mind about, yeah. and that's the difference that some people find that really hard.
2: Well, I think it's actually perceived uh, maybe amongst men more than amongst women. But I actually think the changing your mind is currently perceived as a weakness.
4: Yeah, oh, it's a failure. Yeah. It seems yeah. a failure for sure. It, it can induce a real sense of shame in some people. That's connected to to how they see
2: themselves. Yeah. Jane, this has been crazy interesting. That's not the right thing to say to oh, a psychotherapist, <laughs> is it? Jesus. Goodness Jane, this, this has is... been batshit brilliant. <laughs> wow. Jane, would you like to say something? <laughs> Jane, this has been really interesting. Thank you for your time. Thank we'll you. have to get you back in to talk oh, about I some other fun stuff. And by fun stuff, I mean things that terrify me. Vaccinate your kids, <laughs> people.
4: And where can people find you? JaneWatsonTherapy.co.uk.
3: I'm joined by the fantastic Jessica Hines, writer and director of new film The Fight, which is showing at the London Film Festival this week. Hi Jessica. Hello. <laughs> nice to see you again. This is your directorial
0: debut. Can you tell us a little bit about the film, what inspired it, what it's about? Thank you very much. It's about a family, really. It's about a woman um, within a family, her, her own parents and her family, um, who is struggling to sort of deal with various, you know, sort of layers of. Pain and dysfunction, and she decides that she 's going to take up boxing to deal with some of the sort of ghosts really from her past um, in order to make her present better and she feels that boxing and channeling into boxing amateur boxing is a way to deal with that. I mean I sort of think of it a bit a bit like you know everyone 's fighting a battle that you know nothing about, and I, and I really believe that that we all have issues and things that affect us even you know in our, in our current lives, even if we 're no longer in a situation that is difficult um, and it's like we we can sometimes become quite haunted by our past and problems and 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 I think in, in the film really I think that comes to a head somehow in her life and she realises that in order to kind of push through that with strength um, and acceptance and love she's, she's going to take up boxing and and almost kind of rather than actually battle it, it, it leads to acceptance really but the, but the physical aspect of fighting and boxing becomes a pivotal part of her of her journey and her growth
3: I do a bit of boxing myself as uh, listeners of the podcast will know because I'm always wanging on about it <laughs> but you look like you know what you're doing in the film. How did you train for it?
0: Well, um, I'm glad I look like I know what I'm doing because I actually discovered in the film that I'm not a natural boxer. As much as I'd like to think I was, I mean, I could could brawl, but I think the art of boxing is something you need to be very coordinated to sort of know what what punches to throw when and know where to put your legs and know how to balance and know how to you know move around i mean it's it's an incredibly skillful ballet really boxing and any 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 real boxers will will tell you that but I, I just, I did train a lot in the run-up to the film um, just to try and get some of the sequences where it's supposed to look like I've improved. Believable. <laughs> but it was, it was a lot of acting <laughs> to try and make me look convincing. I mean, obviously, being in the ring with professional boxers who were just natural, it was incredible. Both the boxers that I worked with on, on film were incredible boxers. You know, uh, you really see the skill involved.
3: So without wanting to spoil it for any of our listeners who go and watch the film and I recommend they do. It's a really lovely film. Lovely's probably not like the best. A good is that all right? I good. good. I think word. I think it is lovely. And I don't think that's a bad word. I feel like it's like saying nice <laughs> or something. But uh, but without wanting to spoil it for anyone.
0: It's a lovely, nice film. It is a lovely, nice
3: film, but in the best possible way. I wanted
0: to make a film that was like, you know, I wanted to get that feeling like Rocky. You know, I wanted it to be like Rocky, but for kind of a woman who has sort of got, you know, women with kids and a woman who would, wouldn't necessarily feel that she could be in that arena or be Rocky. You know, when I get that feeling, thrill from Rocky, but I thought, i got to imagine how, how much more intense that would be if I saw a woman like me on screen being Rocky. Like, what, that would make me feel great. You know, And that's kind of what I was going for. You know. I wanted to use a lot of the, the sort of, you know, the, 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 the sort of tones of that genre within the film yeah. and, and the sort of really bit, bit in a different way you know, for her particular story. You know.
3: yeah. well, I suppose Rocky's sort of about struggling as yeah, well, isn't absolutely. it? There's a bit of a twist in the film, I think, in terms of where you think the plot is going to go yes. and where the plot actually goes. Yes. But the central character remains
0: very sympathetic, actually. Why do you think that is? I think that um, what i striven to do is to um, try to explore as, as in-depth as I could, you know, what leads people to, I suppose, bully or what leads people to bully other people, you know, what leads people to hurt other people um, um, in all kinds of situations, you know. And, and I think that if you're too simplistic, if it's just, like, somebody who's bad, somebody who's good, that you never really really get to the bottom of it you never really kind of begin to feel like you understand you know people's pain or or what motivates them and i felt like i really wanted to try to explore that for the main character to try to explore a journey that would feel you know real but also reveal the the sort of background and reasonings as, as to why um people are the way they are you know and and that really really when you sort of think about it almost all the characters are all bullied. I mean not they're not all bulliers but, but you feel like everyone to a certain extent is overcoming something and I really wanted to, sort of instinctively to, to do that because I really do feel that. You know, I feel that people you think are irredeemable are often like that for a reason. You know, people are often cruel for a reason. And and it's not always obvious why they are. But but then when you begin to understand I mean some people just are <laughs> But I wasn't interested in those characters. I was interested in exploring cyclical family dysfunction and, and, and really wanting to try and explore ways of overcoming it within the main protagonist as a personal journey, but also as one that I wanted to share. You know, and what, what I found really gratifying is we've only had one screening that was, that was, it was in Folkestone, and I, just, I, I was really gratified that people were really moved by it, who felt more particularly that the story was something that they could really relate to. And it was really gratifying seeing how much I made them cry, no, <laughs> it was. I was like, yeah, I made you cry. But um, I wanted to, I suppose, share, you know, the, the, the central prot- protagonist journey to acceptance and peace. Um, that, that, that ultimately is internal. It, it is ultimately not about fighting it out. That is just part of the journey. Um, and that's more about controlling and, and channeling and, and understanding emotion because motion's anger's real you know fury is real you know pain is real it feels real and 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 often you know the only way people can express it is physically you know in, in a visceral way but that doesn't have to be uncontrolled and i think boxing is is good for that you, you get in the ring or you get in front of a punch bag and it's it's a great way of, of stress relief it's a great way of all cut for all kinds of things it's great but uh,
3: I kind of think everyone would benefit from punching an inanimate object designed to be punched for an hour every week. As you were saying, the central character, she's complex, she's a complicated woman and obviously people are complicated, they're not good or bad, they're a bit of everything. First of all, congratulations because I don't think there's that many of that kind of female character around. Do you think there are enough of those
0: characters for women to play? i don 't know I feel it 's changing. I mean look at this festival. what a fantastic achievement for the organizers and f- for filmmaking in general you know the, all these new stories coming through all these women you know uh, f- making fantastic films and you know and men making fantastic films with fantastic female characters and you know you, you really realize the in, the cultural shift is always coming from from the ground you know and and it 's happening and you know male female creators and producers are making that happen and and that's a great thing to feel a little bit of a part of and 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 i think things are changing you know as much as they stay the same things are changing and you can't ever stop that you know that's just humanity you know and it's definitely happening jessica
3: thank you so much for joining us
0: it's a pleasure you play ball like a girl
3: go on do one kid jenny off the blocks any of the blocks, that time of the week where we finally win a trophy, and we try very much not to make it all about the men who um, you know, didn't win a trophy. Of course, I'm referring to the She Believes Cup, a tournament with a terrible name, but we don't care because the Lionesses only went and won it last week. We were competing against Brazil, Japan and the USA, and if you know anything about women's football, you'll know those are some pretty strong teams to be up against. We beat Japan and Brazil while drawing with the US, which means we flippin' won, we won the tournament. So, I'm not going to dwell on the fact that manager Phil Neville took the opportunity to big up the men's team, you know, the team that hasn't actually won anything since 1966 when women were still banned from using the Football Association facilities. Because, you know, let's focus on the positive. And also, in fairness to him, he, you know, he has led, admittedly, a strong team. He helped them get the victory, so I don't want to slag him off too much. I mean, I'd like to, because I am an England football supporter, but I'm not sure I believe his, let's face it, irrelevant assertion that the men's team can dominate world football. But I'm extremely excited for the Women's World Cup off the back of this victory. Also, Phil, given their fucking moment, I know the men's youth teams are doing really, really well, really, really excellent stuff. And, you know, they've had their praise. Let the women have theirs. So congratulations, birds. Individual tickets are now available for the Women's World Cup and you can get those online by visiting www.fifa.com forward slash Women's World Cup. And my God, it is the least user friendly website I've ever experienced, but stick with it. I've just seen, as I recorded this on Tuesday, that you can still get tickets for England versus Scotland for €9, which is almost the same price as the visa you might have to buy to travel to France for it. Thank you, Brexit. Over in Rugby. England women remain top of the Six Nations table after destroying Italy 55-0 at Sandy Park last weekend and in front of a record crowd for a non-World Cup game, which is over 10,000 by the way. They've one game left at Twickenham this weekend against bottom-of-the-table Scotland and should they win it, they'll not only win the tournament but will do so with a grand slam. Wales sit just above Scotland, second from bottom and Ireland just above them. You can actually go and see that game at Twickenham for free and info on that is on last week's International Women's Day special in which I chatted Jill Scott of Manchester City and Lionesses fame and England women's rugby captain Sarah Hunter and I recommend you do have a listen to that if you've not done so already. Ugh, so much to talk about this week like the European Indoor Athletic Championships which happened while we were off. Scotland's Laura Muir had an absolutely belting time taking home gold in the 1500 meter and 3000 meter events in front of a home crowd in Glasgow, backing up the success she had two years ago in Belgrade, and she almost lapped every other competitor in the latter event. Very exciting to see, alongside other excellent hopes in athletics for Team GB, heading towards next year's Olympics. Let's not forget the superbly named Katerina Johnson-Thompson, who also won gold in the pentathlon and was also just 30 points shy of the world record of 5,013 points set by Natalia Dubrinska. And while we're on the subject of the Olympics, oh my God, just announced on Tuesday, again as I record this, for the first time ever, women are set to outnumber the men in the British team. Back in 2012, in London, women made up 48% of the team, which is pretty good, and that dropped just a little bit to 44% in Rio. Could edge over 50% next year, according to chef de mission Mark England and... I know this is going to upset some of the political correctness called Mad Brigade or the team. That's sexist against men, that is. But it's really, really needed by women's sports, and this is a big deal. But coming full circle, that 50-50 split may depend on GB fielding a unified British women's football team, which will only happen if England, who are sort of leading the bid out of the home nations on this, or they're the the lead team, or there's probably a more technical expression but you know what i mean anyway that will only happen if they finish in the top four european teams at this summer's world cup so what are you waiting for go on get your tickets support them support women's sport let's make it happen there's actually loads more to talk about like serena serena williams OVS being an absolute hero over equal pay in sport like joe conter dropping out of indian wells and more but i actually don't really have time so that's all for this week if there are things that you want to hear about please do slide into my mentions as they say i don't think they say that i think they say slide into my dms but we'll take it on the twitter OVS. i'm at inspire and i will be back next week with more from the world of women's sport
1: Welcome to Dunleavy Does Disney. Dunleavy, look at that giddy little face. It it's over. What Disney did you do this week and why are you so happy?
2: This week I did 1997's Hercules and it is the last one. Woo!
3: I meant to buy some party poppers but I forgot, I'm sorry, so <laughs> should we just go... <laughs> Made in
2: 1997. Apparently it's part of the Disney renaissance. <laughs> You're right. No other facts for you particularly, except Rip Torn is in it. Mm-hmm. And James Woods. Yeah, yeah. I'll get to James Woods and some of the other people in it. Just I so feel a bit slack. So much- I've lost the wood care. Did you guys manage to watch this?
3: I did, yeah. Oh, well done. I'm on a roll now. Aren't yeah, right? it's I a shame to, it's so, over.
2: You know, <laughs> yes.
1: Yes, I watched it.
3: Okay. Strong reactions I, in the
1: crowd. Yes. it's. It, I feel like I'm still watching it.
4: Okay.
2: Dunleavy, did you like it? Not especially, I have to say. I liked it because it's the last one. (laughs) But that said, there was a point when I was about three quarters of an hour in and I thought, why didn't I leave a good one till last? It's an hour and a half long. The last 45 minutes were a a trudge. They really were. So, should I give you a, a rough description of the plot? Sure. Okay, so Hercules is born to Zeus and his mother...
1: Yeah, is she she's, Hera? Well, Hera.
2: But Hades, who lives in the underworld, he's got a plan to take over power from Zeus. So he steals the the baby Hercules. Well, he doesn't. He sends two little things, devil things, and they steal him. Pain and Panic,
1: and Pain is played by Bobcat Goldthwait, who I fucking love. Now Scrooged,
3: mate. Yes, that's. It. I was going to say I recognise that voice. Scrooged. Mm. He's uh, why. Elliot Loudermilk.
2: They decide they want to kill him because the fates tell Hades that exactly 18 years, Hercules is going to stop his plan to take over the world. Or oh, not just the world, the heavens. In order to kill him, they have to make him human. Uh, they give the baby a drink that's going to make him human, but he, he has to drink every drop. He doesn't drink the last drop. So they have to abandon their plan. And he is discovered by some roving pensioners, a bit like <laughs> Superman, really.
1: Bloody pensioners on the road. <laughs>
2: And then they bring him up as their own child, and much like Superman, you know, he's obviously not from round here. Um uh, So they say to him, "Mate, actually, you're not our son. when we were out a roving one night, I found you, and as,
1: as I want to do. <laughs> yes,
2: And in fact, we think you might be something to do with the gods, because you you appear to be wearing a, a gold medal. and um then he goes off to the the temple of Zeus probably
3: mount olympus the
2: statue comes alive and says yep i'm your dad but you can become a god again but only if you prove yourself so he goes off to on be a true mission hero to mm. be a true hero so he has to go off on a mission to find himself dad gives him pegasus you know to be helpful which to be fair a flying horse probably is
3: so he's, main, though. yeah he's he's he's
2: got wings but the brain of a bird <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this thing starts with a song, and actually, uh, I think in the first number where it opens, it's probably the best idea that they've ever had for an introduction, because this whole thing basically is sung by gospel choir. A gospel choir, from a the gospel choir but they're, they're like a, a like a Greek yeah, chorus, don't. but they come off vases, don't yeah. they? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that's a, an excellent start. Musically, it goes downhill considerably from there. It Not, feels
1: very ripped from Little Shop of Horrors as it, well.
2: It does, but the first song that we get, he, he goes off to find a world in which he can belong, and he holds the note, belong, for the longest time. It actually becomes laughable. I had time to start laughing and stop laughing in the time. It's like re- a Stuart Lee joke. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you noticed it's Jen's looking nope. like she didn't notice, but didn't notice. anyway, oh. and he then bumps into Danny DeVito who is a satyr. Dirty old goat. Yeah, but he he basically is sort of also Mickey from Rocky. He has to be persuaded Mm. to train Hercules. Unlike Mickey from Rocky, Danny DeVito has a crack at singing. I think it's singing, what he tries in it. It's really, really bad. It makes me feel like I might one day be able to sing a Disney song, if that's what's acceptable, a singing.
1: Is that what you've come away from this wanting to do, Hannah?
2: Not really. (laughs) Bit of a training montage. No Phil Collins. No, so. so the point is he has to go off and find a damsel in distress to save her. And he comes across this woman who was called Megara, although he calls her Meg. She's got very odd hair. She's got like a flick, but depending on what direction her head is facing in, the flick falls in a different place, which doesn't make any sense. It's she- like a hair visor. Yeah. <laughs> she's very much the style of a like a 40s screwball comedy. Turns out she's actually sold her soul to save a man who then fucked off. James Wood as Hades comes in. Now, James wood got a lot of praise in this when it when it first came out. Wood's himself, horrible human being. Yep, yep. I don't want to talk about him any more than we need to. But at this point, he realises that Hercules is still alive. And then what follows is him trying to prove himself, her betraying him, la, 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 love story, blah, blah, blah. And this choir keeps coming back, and it, it's so odd. There's two things that are really odd in this. The first thing is that the gospel choir. Basically, all they sing about is how hot Hercules is. I didn't even and, notice that and that oh. oh
1: they're just going on about how they want to hump him just didn't notice it.
2: and that it gets very boring very quickly secondly right how old do you think meg is because i think she reads as about 35
1: yeah she does read slightly older than your traditional disney in inverted commas princess and he is 18 18 yeah that's fine
2: it's <laughs> a bit odd There's a couple of jokes in it that made me laugh. A couple of jokes.
1: I sent the one that made me laugh too, Hannah. Oh,
2: about, uh, that was Hermes. Hermes,
1: the god of post. Um, (laughs) the, The messenger of the gods. When he goes, where's the guy? I need him to make me more lightning bolts. And he goes, he's been captured. Everyone's been captured. And then someone grabs him and he goes, I've been captured. Made me laugh.
2: There was a point at which Danny DeVito's character was running and he, and he stops because he's got a fur wedgie, which made me laugh a little bit. And there's also some children who are trapped and they shout out, someone call IXII. <laughs>
1: 911, mate.
2: 911.
1: Oh, right, yeah,
3: In sure. Roman mm-hmm. numerals. Yeah.
1: But that, I mean, in fairness, that is how messed up that is. Greek gods, gospel choir, yeah. Roman numerals, just throwing everything at the wall yeah. and seeing what shit sticks. Every woman
2: exists to fawn over a man. Exactly, and the animation isn't great. But the animation when they are in the heavens is weird. They're all like really They're disgusting, glowing. horrible colours. They are glowy. They're glowy. But the colours that they actually are are not good colours. Are you saying if if you have the power to glow but you glowed that colour, you wouldn't turn your glow on? I would. I wouldn't turn my glow on. There we go. Yeah.
1: I don't know. It was. It was what it was. It's way too long, it's very confused, it's not funny when it tries to be. The songs are dismal. The female characters exist to either be manipulated by a man or fawn over one. True love saves the fucking day, and thank God we're at the end of this. Jen?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have any strong opinions about it either way. Now, as always, I was doing other things while I watched it. Didn't have my full attention. Didn't command my full attention either. I didn't find it particularly funny. I didn't find it particularly offensive. I thought Zero to Hero, which is one of the tunes, was a bit of a banger, actually. I was into that. I in mean, Hercules. their voices are amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah they're and great it's singers. And it's a, it's a lovely
2: idea. It's just if they've given them some other things to sing about, apart I mean, from how hot he was. It
3: was. I just thought it was a banger. Just thought it was a catchy number. Very Disney in that they're all black, but with very white features. <laughs> mm. Hashtag so Disney. Thanks, Disney. And good goodnight.
1: <laughs> I, when I did text Hannah, I said, can we just talk about Coco and Moana again instead, please?
2: Yeah, I mean, that would be better, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah.
1: Just talking about them would have been better than watching Hercules. And the thing is, because we'd planned to do Hercules ages and ages ago, I'd already seen half of it previously.
2: But it was too long and you had to watch it again. I, but
1: I had to watch it again. And so it felt like I'd been watching it interminably <laughs> for the past Forever. four months. Yeah.
3: I was expecting there to be a song by Stephen Gately at the end, and there wasn't, and I don't know why. <laughs> Is that how you go into most? You films? don't know why there wasn't, or you don't yeah, know why you were expecting it. No, he sang a song for this film, and then it just didn't appear to feature at any point. I don't know. Maybe it was maybe it was only on like the UK version. Maybe I was watching the American version. Was well, he the voice
1: I mean. of Hercules when he was singing his song?
3: No, he wasn't. Okay, because I did actually look that up. Also, probably should mention that Hercules is played by Jimmy Cooper from The O.C., a.k.a. Tate Donovan.
1: What score are you giving it? Two. Two what? Two fur wedgies. (laughs) Out of five?
2: (laughs) Out of five, yeah. I
1: think Danny DeVito's character was a massive lech as well. Yeah, he was. And I know he was a dirty old goat and that's kind of satay's art. Yeah. But... Like, they really went for it. I was expecting full-on tits like Fantasia. Full-on th- tits. Every time he fell on a woman's lap, he tried to smooch her. Because see when you see Hercules and the, he's called Phil, the satyr, together, it's a bit like watching Twins.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which, again, would have been preferable, to be honest with you.
2: What's happening next, Hannah? Well, we're done. We're having a couple of weeks off. And then we're going to do some dystopia. And what are we starting with? Talking of Arnie. You better get used to Arnie, because Arnie is one of two, what can only be described as perpetual men of the future. It's Kindergarten Cop, isn't it? The (laughs) other one being being Charlton Heston, as in, is always in films about the future. That is true. We are, in fact, Mickey and I actually watched it the other day. The Running Man is what we're starting with. So if you want to join in, you won't be able to join in the whole time, because I'm going to be away for a little bit, so we'll have to record a couple in advance. But yes. Have a watch of The Running Man. Share your views with me. We're going to gauge it on on a, its successful prediction of the future.
1: I've sent a copy to Theresa May to give us some pointers on what we could do post-Brexit.
2: Mm. Sure.
1: What have you learned from watching Disney films, Hannah?
2: I've learned I should have less good ideas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if I was to say for your birthday this year that Jen and I have clubbed
2: together to take you to Disneyland Paris, what would your reaction be? Oh, good. you know, i the last time I was in Disneyland Paris, don't you? You, you call
1: kids a yeah. cunt. Con- <laughs>
2: I didn't call children. I called somebody else a cunt. But then I turned around and there was about 400 children standing behind me. One of them was crying.
3: Because you called them a cunt?
2: Maybe. Maybe. I think they probably just
1: watched Hercules.
0: (laughs) Standard Issue for all women.